0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time,
1: get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs.
0: ferrario and tanner hendrickson i'm brandon Kylie. it's bk and ferrario on 101 espn and right now we are happy to go out to the brown and crouppen celebrity line to be joined by e or the athletic excuse me hockey columnist eric duhachik joining us here on 101 espn eric we appreciate the time man thank you so much for joining us today how you doing this afternoon
2: yeah really good we finally have some here in calgary uh it, it's too bad the flames didn't get further in the playoffs because everyone talks about hockey weather well we had snow in the mountains like a week ago and uh <laughs> we would have if the flames had been alive in the uh on finals instead of Colorado and people who had been traveling here instead of Denver, they would have actually seen winter weather and that might have made it uh, more of a hockey atmosphere.
0: Well, we wish that the blues were still playing. Unfortunately, it is the opposite of hockey weather here. It's roughly a hundred degrees for like 12 straight days. So it's, uh, it's been less than ideal, Eric. And I, I wanted to lean on your experience covering the Calgary flames because it's a huge off season for them with both Johnny Goudreau hitting unrestricted free agency. And then the, a restricted free agency for Matthew Kachuk what are you anticipating those decisions looking like and what will go into them for the flames this offseason
2: well well is, is obviously a don, domino as because as you say uh you know he's he's unrestricted uh, finished fourth in, in the hart trophy voting you know the flames have tendered him a you know a, a very attractive offer you know i think it's like the tetik and Nikita Kucherov. Type of deal, they're the only team in the league, obviously, that can offer eight years, so that gives them a financial advantage over anyone else. And and I I don't believe that the Flames will be outbid on Gaudreau. but I do think that there's a, a personal component at work here, and I think this is the reason that there hasn't been a resolution yet. I mean, Godreau is from the East Coast, uh, you know, South Jersey guy, uh, and, and and you know Philadelphia was the team he grew up uh, cheering for. He's been linked to Philadelphia, uh, New Jersey, in, in, almost in perpetuity. Uh, you know, when you know, think halfway through the contract, people in, in this community were already talking about will he stay, will he go, and and he has said publicly that that he likes the he likes being here. He he likes the way the city has treated him for Canadian market. Players generally have maybe more privacy here than than in some other uh, of the Canadian markets, where it it, it can be a bit more intrusive. But you know, he's very close to his family. Um, He's recently married. Um, There's a you know a child on the way, and uh, and and you know there's there's a the human side of it, which we often don't take into consideration. I think he's just simply wrestling with the idea right now of where he wants his you know, professional future to be. This is an important crossroads for him. So, um, you know, people, I think, have have focused on, on the dollars, and, and, and I think that that sort of uh, is a, a bit of an oversimplification because the money is going to be there for Johnny Gaudreau, whether he re- remains in Calgary or whether he, t- he tests the market. It's simply a, a decision that he has to make in conjunction with his family about where he wants to be, and I think the Flames are anxiously awaiting an answer for him, and they haven't got it yet. And so until that domino falls. It's very difficult to predict what will happen next with Matthew Kachuk, obviously a great interest in, in your marketplace. Uh, you know, they have other prominent players here too. You know, Andrew Mantopani had a real good year. He's been underpaid for a long time. Oliver Shillington had a breakthrough year. He's been, uh, you know, he, I think he's on an entry level contractor, you know, like minimal dollars and he'll need a raise. So they've got, they've got some very hard financial decisions to make, but a lot of them at this stage are out of their hands and, And once the Gaudreau domino topples, I think that they'll have a clearer idea of of what to do next.
1: Eric, hypothetically, going down that path, that Goudreau does decide to stay with Calgary and they lock him up as that franchise player, and they do have to explore the Matthew Kachuk trade options. I mean, for me personally, I don't see Calgary looking at it as, oh, well, we're going to get some prospects in a trade for him and just rebuild. In all reality, it does seem like that Calgary is going to want to get something to help keep them compete, correct?
2: Yeah, 100%. Your, your analysis is bang on. First of all, you know, if, if Gaudreau decides to stay here, it's because he's convinced that he has a better chance of winning here than, say, New Jersey or Philadelphia. I mean, both those franchises have have really, really struggled. You know, Philadelphia has a new coach going in there, and John Tortorella. I personally like John a lot. Have had a lot of dealings with him over the years, but but he can be a, a difficult taskmaster to play for. I think that has to be a factor, certainly in, in Gaudreau's decision. And you know, at the point that he's at in his career. I think he has a, a much better chance of winning in Calgary than he would in either of those two, uh, two cities or for that matter, even, you know, a, a team like the Islanders, which are kind of hovering there and you never know what's going on. But, but this, this was a very good team this year. They won the, the, the division. They have an excellent goaltender. Um, you know, you know Daryl Sutter, one, one coach of the years. And, and, and that line with Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk and, and Elias Lindholm was, you know, a lot of people said the best line in the National Hockey League this season. So I think, I think, though, if Gaudreau signs here, that will create a greater interest and urgency for Matthew Kachuk to also sign. Uh, because I think that uh, uh, he, he loved the chemistry uh, of that line. I think this was a much better year for him. Uh, you know, in all aspects of of, of, of the game, uh, than than in the year before, and then you know, you look at where St. Louis is at. Similar, you know, a, a very good team uh, that sees it, uh, itself in, in the midst of a of a, of a of a window to compete for for the Stanley Cup. You don't want draft choices, young players that you know might be good in, in a while. Uh, but that to me is, is, you know, when I when I hear. You know, St. Louis and Calgary connected in terms of the deal. I don't, I don't really see how you can do it. I mean, you know, you'll you'll get, you'll remember that a long, long time ago, early in, in Ryan O'Reilly's career, he signed an offer sheet here, uh, and that was matched by by Colorado. And 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 you know, but but there was a moment uh, when when this was a place that he wanted to be. Well, I don't think that you know that moment has long passed, and he's he's married to to the Blues. But in the same way that that I think people in St. Louis would covet Matthew Kichuk coming home. There would be people in, in Calgary that would look at that St. Louis roster and say, okay, not interested in doing it for Tarasenko, not interested in doing it for you know, any number of good players. O'Reilly, okay, we, we'd consider that. But, you know, as we know, that's a non-starter on both sides. So, What about Kairou, Eric? Problem. I
0: think he's, he's the guy that gets mentioned here in St. Louis as being the chip that might be able to kind of put you over the top, Jordan Kairou.
2: Yeah, well, and, and and you're right. I mean, he he's is, he is a young player that that is 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 emerging and and had a great year this year, and and that would be the that would be a, a much closer fit in terms of of what you would do as a hockey trade. Which, as we know, that's kind of gone the way of the dodo. I mean, I've been at this forty four years now, and when I started covering. I mean, my goodness, you know, like Coach Fletcher was the, the general manager here, 10 player trades, you know, <laughs> his star player for somebody else. I mean, it was it was wonderfully chaotic and, <laughs> and, and, and great for the fans. Right. But but, you know, this level of conservatism that has descended on the NHL sort of in the post salary cap era, I mean, partly I understand you know, partly it's your hands are tied by the financial implications. You can't just go out and spend, spend, spend the way Detroit once did, or, or New York, or, or the Leafs. Um, I, yeah, yeah, that, that would that, that's the one thing that, that makes sense on an intellectual level. Uh, but I, I, just, I, I just don't think the Flames want to lose Kachuk. Um, you know, the, again, it comes down to a, a financial consideration. And if you look at the... So Kachuk, whatever happens... It is signed for next year, even if it, 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 even if he just signs a qualifying offer uh, and and earns a nine million dollar salary. From Calgary's perspective, they have two players that are are making negligible contributions that come off the books before any extension for Matthew Tkachuk would would come into play, and that, that's a factor that that not everyone understands. I mean, Sean Monahan had a disappointing season, He's six plus only has one year left on his contract. I think a lot of people believe they will, they will try to move that contract this off-season to a team like Arizona, to a team like Anaheim, to a team like Ottawa that is willing to take on bad money in exchange for incentives. And and then also Milan Lucic has a year to go on. A, I think it's 5-5 five, five is, is the hit here because there was some salary retention from, from Edmonton. But that's almost $12 million of, of basically dead space that they can free up in 12 months time and at that point that's when they would have to put a new contract in so it's doable it, 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 it is absolutely doable and I think that if Gaudreau decides to stay that would also incentivize Matthew to sign up a, a long-term extension here in the same way that his brother did did with uh, Ottawa about a year and change ago.
0: We're talking to Eric Duhachik for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESP. And ESPN. You can find his work over at The Athletic. You can also follow him on Twitter at E Duhachik, D-U-H-A-T-S-C-H-E-K. Eric, I did want to ask you about the free agency side of things. Just for the Blues, their big question going into the offseason is left-handed defense. If they could find one guy to plug that hole next to Colton Pareko, that's probably the number one priority for them. Unfortunately, when you look at the free agent market, It's devoid of those types of players. Like It's the same names, basically, that we talked about at the trade deadline with Ben Sherrod and Nick Letty, who performed admirably here. But then up in Calgary, there is a player that has been mentioned in connection for the Blues as well, and Nikita Zadorov. A, how how did you think that he fit in with the Flames, and do you think he would be a fit with the Blues? And B, are there other options that you think are better available on the market this offseason, either via free agency or trade?
2: Yeah. Well it's a good point because normally teams are, are searching for right handed defense because that there seems to be a greater shortage of of those. And in the case of both the teams we've been speaking about, Calgary and, and, and St. Louis, they're pretty good on, on the right side. No, I I like Zodorov and, and before you even mentioned his name, I was gonna throw him out as a as a possibility. He's I mean he's he's six six, mean, tough, uh plays you know plays a hard game and I think that the issues that he's had in, in, in other previous stops in his career is he's a big this kind of a guy. So, so he will give you a, a you know, a, a, like a, a really good 50, you know, well, 58 minutes, you know, six, you know, two minutes short of whatever he's playing on, on a given night, 18 or 19 minutes will be awful. And 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 you, you leave yourself open to you know like terrible miscues where you're you know two on one or, or three on twos and and why it worked in Calgary was because Jacob Markson had an outstanding year in in goal and and often saved them from from the type of you know plays that that a guy like that can make but on overall he was a good fit for them he, he, and and I think that he's a type of a player that you win with so when you look at what teams are looking for like, you look in the Stanley Cup Final. You know who is the most underrated player on Tampa? It's Eric Chernak. Right? He's he's miserable to play against. He plays hard, and and people don't like going into his corner. So you know we're always talking about Hedman, outstanding, Sergachev improving and, and getting great. But but McDonough and Chernak are are contributing. You know, in anonymous ways or in quiet ways to, to winning. And I think a guy like Zadorov can do that. Um, You know, they brought him in as a you know, you know, a guy on a on a short term contract. They have someone coming through the pipeline that I think is going to be on the team next year, Connor Mackey, simply because of he makes a lot less money. And and you're right. If I were to to target one guy that you could get that would fit in and provide them what they needed and wanted there, it would be him. Uh, You know, I, I have no I have no qualms at all about endorsing him, given the one caveat that you know once or twice a night you know, Craig Brubes is not going to be very happy with
1: us. Eric, final one from, from me. And I want to flip the script a little bit here and talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame because uh, you're a voter. You've been on the selection committee for 15 years, I believe. There's a few guys in St. Louis that I always bring up when it comes to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I'm just curious from a voter's perspective if they, if you feel like they will ever get in. And that's Keith Kachuk, Pierre Turgeon, and Curtis Joseph.
2: Um, yeah, uh, it, it, I mean, it's a really difficult question. Well, first of all, uh, I did serve the full 15-year term on the Hockey Hall of Fame Selection Committee, but uh, like your U.S. presidency, there are term limitations. So I rotated off of the committee uh, after my 2018 season and, and Cassie Campbell-Pascal took took my place. The other caveat that I always have to issue is that, you know, within the context of, of being on the committee, we signed these very strict confidentiality agreements where we're not allowed to to discuss the candidacies of, of players. And, and the reason for it is simply um, they want people on the committee to be able to spree- speak frankly about the pros and cons of the various candidates. Um, and, and as I say, I, I'm now like four years removed, although there was no um, selection committee meeting in 2021. So, um, um, I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm hedging it and I'm kind of on the fence here because I have to be careful what I say. What, what, what I would say is that anyone that has, has been in contention for a long period of time is probably going to have a difficult time this year, and it's simply because there's a double cohort of, of candidates. So, for example, um, you know, the eligibility rule for the Hall of Fame is three years uh, of past of a player's career. And so the Sedins were eligible a year ago. There was no vote, so they're eligible again this year. But joining them... Uh, Roberto Luongo, had a long distinguished career as an NHL goaltender. So there's there's essentially two first-year groups of eligible players in uh, you know when the committee meets on the 27th. So yeah, they're coming right up. So the chances of those borderline on the cusp, maybe yes, maybe no guys getting in this, I think, are even further um, reduced by the fact that. Um, you know, probably three of the four spots are going to go to Luongo and the Sedins. And then, you know, who's who the fourth male player candidate, possibly McGillney, possibly Alfredson. Um, it, it, it's just, it's hard to know. I guess like I I'm getting further and further away from my time on the committee. so I don't really know uh, what, what people are thinking anymore, but um, once, one, you know, I don't Again, I don't even know how to say this. But there every once in a while, Someone who has been passed over, uh, for a long period of time, uh, gets a champion, uh, on, on the committee and, and makes a compelling case. And, you know, suddenly out of nowhere, D. E. Carbono was elected after, you know, a, a long time on, on, you know, of eligibility. Rogi Vachon after a long time of eligibility. So I never rule it out. Um, and the other thing, I guess I'm going on, a long way here without actually saying anything, is that people have often asked me in the past, how, how does, a candidate that that has missed for a long time. Glenn Anderson was eligible for ten, and finally got in. Eric Lindros, and, and I say it's because the committee is is not a fixed body; it's dynamic. People rotate on and off all the time, and so you know, I will you know, I'll use Lindros as an example. From when he was first eligible till the year he got in, there was probably you know ten new faces, and and to be elected for the Hall of Fame, you need fourteen out of eighteen votes. So if if a candidate is only one or two votes short and two no votes rotate off and two yes votes rotate on that's that's how a long waiting a long candidate a candidate has waited a long time gets in. so um i hope that shed some light on yeah, on the process As I, say, I apologize for, for not being able to say more because i don't want to uh, breach confidentiality but but, but it, it's possible i mean it's possible you just have to have a few no's rotate off and a few yeses rotate on and 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 you know potentially you're in
0: yeah that's interesting i appreciate you kind of taking us through that process at least as much as you can uh without disclosing stuff that'll get you into trouble we wouldn't want <laughs> to that. need that hey eric we appreciate the time man. this has been excellent hopefully we'll be able to talk with you again soon if there's anything in terms of movement between the blues and the calgary flames we'd love to talk to you as that further develops all the best to you and the family and hopefully we'll talk with you again down the line
1: thank you